Uh, but we are going to head into the scriptures of Luke 24. If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Hoyt uh, opened our service with uh, the reading of the Word of God, uh, and he read about the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, uh, historically we, we teach and, and, and share that Jesus entered into the, to, um, Jerusalem uh, being worshipped, right? And, and they, they knew that he was the Messiah, he was the, the anointed one, he would be king, and uh, it, he, would, he would deliver them from the tyranny of those Romans and Roman influence, or, the, or even the pressures that they had and they faced from the Pharisees and from the Sadducees that were there, the, the religious leaders. They thought, this is the person that's going to free us next week, he'll be in charge, and it's all going to be good. But that is not what he came to do. And, and the triumphal entry was all about triumph, but it was not about political triumph yet, right? The triumphal entry was about the triumph that Jesus would have as he went through that week, Passion Week, and as he went to the cross, and as he died in our place for our sins, he, he triumphed over death, he triumphed over sin, he triumphed over Satan, so that you and I, through faith in Christ, could be made free, that we could be forgiven, that we could have life and have that life eternally with him. And that's, that's the promise of God. That's the triumph of God. So in view of God's triumph, his triumphal entry, and what he accomplished triumphantly on the cross and over the grave, uh, today we are continuing and finishing up a series called You'll Be My Witnesses. And, and there should be a response in your heart and my heart to the triumph of Christ, to what Christ has triumphed over. Uh, we, now, we now have the benefit of that. And, and we're going to look at that today. We've been looking at this idea of You Will Be My Witnesses coming from the book of Acts, chapter 1, Verse 8, and uh, it says this, it says, You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we're, what we're talking about here is you and I, right? Jesus is saying, you will be my witnesses, and, and you're going to have power from the Holy Spirit. You, you don't have to do it on your own, because that's the, the excuse, right? Oh, I can't do it, I'm afraid, I, I, don't have, I don't have the words. Well, guess what? Jesus is going to give you that. He's going to empower you by his spirit. He's going to lead you through the word uh, so that you can be effective in sharing and being witnesses to the world around you. The scripture we're reading today in Luke 24, beginning at verse 44, uh, is actually an overlap because Luke and Acts go together. And it's probably the same instance, the same time, and Jesus speaking uh, the same thing. So I want to, sh I want to show you uh, this, this Acts 1-8 in Luke chapter 24. I'm going to pray for us, and I'll read this entire text, and we'll come back to it a little later too. But let's, let's pray together. Father, we're, we're grateful to be here. We thank you that you love us, God, that you have sent Jesus to be our Savior, that, that he took our place on a cross, and God, he died the death we deserve to die. We thank you that, that as he shed his blood, he was the one that's able to forgive sins, and God, that he didn't stay dead, that he rose victoriously, that he truly is the triumphant Messiah. He's triumphed over sin and death and Satan that we could have life, and we thank you for that. God, we celebrate you for that. And God, today as we look to your word, as we, as we want to hear and long to hear from your spirit, I pray you would guide us and direct us into truth, that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive, God, that we would be convicted by your spirit, we'd move to a place of repentance, a place of deeper faith, and a place of obedience to you. We thank you for the opportunity, again, to be here among our brothers and sisters. And God, today as we worship you, as we hear from you, Change us, transform us, not just on the outside, but from the inside. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Luke 24, I'm going to read 44 uh, and through 
uh, 53, actually, the end of the chapter. He told them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He also said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness for sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple, praising God. This is the word of God. So today is our final, uh, final sermon in the series, You Will Be My Witnesses. We, talked, we started with the heart of a witness a few weeks ago, and we then talked about what is it like to be a witness in Jerusalem, right in the, in, right in the core of rubbing elbows with the people right around us in our culture that people are very similar to us, right? And then we talked about, well, what about the Judea and Samaria? Maybe the, the people we don't associate with as much, we don't culturally kind of get them. What does that look like to witness to them? And we talked about that last week. And, and then this week we, we move into that place of what is it like to be a witness to the ends of the earth. And, and for many of you, as I start this, uh, I want you to understand something. Uh, the, every sermon in this series uh, would be encouraging for anybody, whether they're serving in their Jerusalem, whether they're in the Judea or Samaria, or, or to the ends of the earth. Uh, if you are here today and you're like, well, that's not me. I'm not called to the ends of the earth. I can just check out today. Uh, that's, that's a lie, right? This is absolutely impactful for you as, as you are called, where you are called, uh, to, to share your faith in Christ. And, and every one of these uh, points would be building on the ones we've already shared. So even as we talk about to the ends of the earth, uh, I want to see what, what does that look like in our hearts uh, and, and, and maybe challenge you what that might look like for a call on your heart. Because certainly there are people in the United States who have been called to go to the ends of the earth, places that we would never dream. Like I, I was born here, right? I was raised in the, in the United States. This is my mission field. But maybe God's calling you and stirring you somewhere else, right? So that's something to consider in your heart as well. But today we're going to look at three different things about being witnesses to the ends of the earth. You ready? Number one, witnesses to the ends of the earth rely on the Holy Spirit with deep assurance. They rely on the Holy Spirit with deep assurance. Now, again, that's not just for someone who goes to the ends of the earth, amen? It's for everyone. That we should all, as we exit these doors into a mission field, be reliant on the Holy Spirit with deep assurance. This word assurance, we'll see it here in the scripture in a moment, is, is this idea that we're filled with conviction. It's, it's to make certain or to convince that when I say assurance, I am convinced, I am fully convicted. And when we think about this conviction, um, what we're really going to be talking about today is, is that conviction and that assurance that the Spirit gives us about who Jesus is and about what Jesus has done, about what he's accomplished, and that should be empowering for us to go uh, and follow in his footsteps. But it's not just uh, about who, right, the what or who, like I'm assured of, of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. It's also this assurance about where. And when I say where, of course you think, well, he wants me to go to Africa. That's not what I'm saying. Your where could be anywhere, but it's somewhere. And I think for you and I, especially uh, in this comfortable Christian kind of community, we think that, oh yeah, I'm assured of the who, 
I'm assured of the what he did. I know it. I've got it down deep in my heart. Where? Deep in my heart. Deep in, right? We've got it deep in our hearts. But it's something entirely different to be assured and convinced of the where. It's great that you have Jesus in your heart. It's great that you have, have this assurance of what he's done for you and that you have this hope building up in you. But that's not the same thing as then living it wherever you go, overflowing it to the world around you. Yes, we should have deep assurance about what Christ has done and who Christ is, but that should give us a deeper assurance of sharing him in the anywheres that we go. Anywhere that we go. And maybe that where is across overseas to another country. Maybe it's across the border to Canada, eh? Or to Mexico. I, I don't know, right? David and Lori Holst are in Belize right now. And, and that's an opportunity we may have as a church next year as well. There are opportunities everywhere. I want us to turn to 1 Thessalonians, if you would, in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want to look at what Paul had talked about to the Thessalonian church and how he, how he showed them this, this assurance and what this assurance should lead to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 2. He says this, We always thank God for you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall, so we're, we're remembering, we recall in the presence of our God and Father, here's what we recall. We recall your work produced by faith. Right there, So there's something that's happening because of the what and the who we believe in. Right, So we recall your work produced by faith. We recall your labor motivated by love, and we recall your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you, you get that, that when we're witnesses, we rely on the Holy Spirit for this deep assurance of who is our Savior. And then that produces something in us for the anywhere we go, that we will live by faith, that we, will, uh, our, we have a work produced by faith, we will have a labor motivated by love, we'll have endurance inspired by hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, For we know that, brothers and sisters, that uh, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Now look at verse 5. He says, Because, and here's, here's how we know you're in. Here's how we know you get it. Because our gospel did not come to you in words only. Right? So let's just stop there for a minute. It wasn't just lip service. It wasn't just like, I can give you the ABCs of becoming a Christian. I can take you down the Roman road. It wasn't just words. When you and I share the gospel, when we, when we preach, when we talk, when we speak the words of Christ to other people, it comes in power. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with what? With full assurance. Deep conviction. So yes, as you and I are missionaries, as we are witnesses to the ends of the earth, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, and, and it gives us this, this deep assurance about our relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, you know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of persecution, like, I don't, we don't care, it's welling up in us, we're going to share, you welcomed the message. You welcomed the message. See, people that are out there that don't know Christ, some of them are going to welcome the message. Some of them are going to reject that. But some are going to welcome the message, and they're going to welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. It's not just words, it's about power from the Holy Spirit and assurance we have in Christ. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place, every place 
that your faith has, uh, in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we have had from you. Here, and here's what it says, that you've turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. Right? That's the passion we have. This is the what and the who. It's Jesus whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, let me just give you a flow chart here of what's happening here. If for you and I, as witnesses to the ends of the earth, we're, and, and in our anywheres, what does this mean? First off, we, we're presented with a message of Christ, the message about Christ. Listen, somebody presented the message about Christ to you. Somebody told you that. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery, but it's a beautiful thing that God would use you and me and use others in our lives to share the message of Christ so that someone would come to faith in Him. But we do it by the power of the Spirit. So we, share the, we, we, we hear the message of Christ and we receive it with joy, right? And, and, and then we, we have this full assurance because I believe, not because I, it was just, oh yeah, so convincing. It was because God convinced my heart. God drew me into a relationship that His Holy Spirit gave me this assurance. So the message produced this full assurance. And then that message, we said, was welcomed with joy. It's welcomed with joy. Like, yeah, it, I hear a message. I have assurance about this. And I, fine, if I can have that assurance, I want that joy. We welcomed it with joy. And then what happened, it was the fruit of that. It was proclaimed. Right? It, it, Paul said that. The, the, the word of the Lord rang out from you. When you and I receive the message with full assurance from the Holy Spirit, and with, we welcome it with joy, that good news must then be proclaimed. It must ring out from us everywhere. What, is, what do we ring out? What, what are we saying about that? What's, what's the message? It's that Jesus Christ rescues us from God's judgment and wrath. You see the last part there? We're, we're, we turn from, to God from idols and to serve the living God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the gospel, that you and I are, are sinful and separated from God because of our sin. And there's nothing that you can do and nothing that I can do to earn any favor with God, any merit with God. We can't stand before God saying, hey God, here's my resume, check it out, it's better than the last guy, trust me. We're like, it's worth nothing. It's, it still has sin all over it. And there's judgment on sin, and God has to punish sin, and he did as he put it on Jesus Christ. So the message about Christ is this. He's the rescuer. He's the hero. He's the one who died in my place, who shed blood for me where I should have shed blood. And he offers me, this is the message, he offers me in full assurance forgiveness of my sins. He offers me a righteousness that I could never earn on my own. He offers that to me freely, and it's found through faith in Jesus Christ. We trust Jesus. And then when we have that, and we're free of wrath, we just, we're like, hey, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. You are my God. You're my Savior. You're my rescuer. Maybe I thought you wanted, to be a, I wanted you to be a political leader, but you're not. You've been triumphant over sin in my life, and, and I, will have, I have life because you gave me life. We wait for him, and we, we let that ring out that he rescues us from wrath. So, we rely on the Holy Spirit with deep assurance in, in what He's done and who He is. And then we let that translate into wherever we go, to anywhere. And, and I want us to pause there for a moment. Um, I, oh, I had a piece of paper. I don't have it. Uh, it's in the lobby. It's, it's a, I, I've given you some worksheets and some, some tools today. Uh, in the lobby, on the kiosk, is a worksheet. 
It says things you should know. And it says about Jesus. And, and, and it's something really important for you because I, I even had a conversation this week with somebody and it was, it was one of those, it was just one of those conversations. But I was trying to get across how important God's word is and how true it is and how, how, how important Jesus is. And oh, they, they thought Jesus was super important. But they did not believe that Jesus was God. They, 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 they thought that he would, he was a man and he would, he would attain to the Christ and, and be more Christ-like and like we all can do and become part of this God consciousness. This is kind of the lingo we have, right? But this sheet that, out, in the, out in the lobby, um, and here's what I like to do with people. And, and this person didn't give me the time of day to do that. They really rejected the gospel. But oftentimes people don't really know what Jesus has said. And I, it's weird. You think about Jesus. Um, actually, Joey, grab me one of those sheets of paper, please. It says, things you should know about Jesus. It's white on the kiosk. We think about uh, the relationships we have, right? And, and we have conversations with people. They, they say, oh, what do they say? What do they say about Jesus? Go ahead. He's a prophet, right? What, what else? Great teacher over here. So, yeah, some say he's a savior, right? Sometimes he, some say he's a savior of the world. Thanks, bud. Um, but it's really good if they say he's my savior, right? Because that's personal. He's a savior of the world. Well, that's true. I hope he's your savior. But, but they have all kinds of ideas of who Jesus is. Here's, here's some on this sheet. Uh, some say he was a good man or a, a good teacher, right? Not God. Jehovah's Witnesses would say that he was merely an archangel and created being that became a man. Mormonism teaches that Jesus was not God, but he was a man who became one of many gods and that he was the half-brother of Lucifer. Unitarian Universalism teaches that Jesus was not God, but rather a great man of teaching, of love, and justice, and healing. The Baha'i faith, he said he was a manifestation of God and a prophet, but inferior to Baha'u'llah or to Muhammad. Buddhism teaches that he was enlightened, but not, uh, like, like Buddha. Uh, Christian science say that he's not God. Islam teaches that Jesus was a man uh, and a prophet, but was inferior to Muhammad. Uh, Gandhi says this. He says, I cannot say that Jesus was uniquely divine. He was as much God as Krishna or Rama or Muhammad or Zoroaster. These are the thoughts out there about Jesus. And it came to me one day as I was reading the, the Word and reading the, the red letters, right? And Hoyt talked about this in the other day. All of the Bible is the red letters, right? It's God's Word. But as Jesus had the chance to speak, maybe we should stop thinking and defining who Jesus is and let Him say who He is. Is that fair? And, and I say that kind of, you know, with a punch today. But with, with a person in conversation, I just ask him, I'm like, hey, what, who do you believe Jesus is? They say a lot of stuff. And like, hey, do you mind if I tell you what the Bible says or, or what Jesus says about himself? And that's this worksheet. And it's just some things that you can, you can tell them. Here's some things he said. He said he came down from heaven. But he wasn't created, being. He, he came down from heaven and put on human flesh. Uh, he said he was more than just a good man. He was God. He claimed to be God. He said he was the son of man, the begotten of God. He performed miracles, right? And, and he did that under the authority of the Father, um, he said he was God when, when they asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said what? I am, right? Uh, Jesus said he was sinless. He claimed he was sinless. Jesus forgave sin. Jesus taught people to pray to him. Th this is just, we're just letting Jesus speak for himself here. Right? It's not my idea. This is Jesus speaking for himself. Right? And so uh, we were to pray to him. He promised, he promised to, he, that he would be the judge of all people. All, all people. Not just some. All people. Uh, he said that he was the only way to heaven. Jesus said that. 
right? And, and that Jesus claimed authority and supremacy over all people, all political parties, races, nationalities, religions, cultures, and beliefs. He claimed authority and supremacy over that. So it, I, I tell you that to, to like strengthen you and, and give you some, oh yeah, that's, that's right, that's who Jesus is. And, and what's important with that is this, that when we have these conversations with people who think otherwise, when they hear that Jesus says that about himself, what are they going to think? They have to, if they want to keep believing what they want to believe, they're going to have to dismiss the Bible, right? If they dismiss the Bible, then they should just dismiss Jesus altogether. Because what information can we have about Jesus if we don't have the Bible? That's where he's found. So we, we just say, well, the Bible's not there, then Jesus isn't there. Oh, well, he was, he was still, he's in essence, who knows what they're going to say. But I just like to let Jesus speak for himself. So that worksheet is available for you. It has, has scripture references on there. That's in the lobby. Uh, after service, grab that. I think um, we can also put that maybe up on our website this week uh, or come by and get it anytime you want. But I think it's important for us as we, as we are witnesses to the ends of the earth and we rely on the Holy Spirit to give us deep assurance about what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, that we should be prepared to share who Jesus is with people around us and, and who he claimed to be. And and I like to let it speak for itself. I would even open up the Word of God and, and say, hey, well, re read this right here. It's not me talking. It's the Word of God. Th this speaks way better than I do. There's power here. This, is, this Word is living and active. This, this is how we believe. This is how we come to know who God is. It's through His Word. So when you open that up and let someone read it, you don't have to do anything. Just like, let them read it. Let God do the work through His Word. And let, let them see and hear who God is and who Jesus is and who they are in return. So number one, a witness in the ends of the earth. We rely on the Holy Spirit with deep assurance. Number two, the witnesses to the ends of the earth. We trust in the Spirit of God for courage and boldness. So we're deeply assured, right? We're deeply assured about what Christ did and who Christ is. And now we move on to the next step and, and we say, I'm going to trust you, God, and rely on your Spirit for power, for strength, for courage, for boldness. Because it's, it's a little scary, I know you, and I trust you, and I, I love you, and you're it, but man, it, walking up to somebody and saying it, help me with that, right? Help me with that. So I, I want to read a scripture out of 2 Timothy. You can turn there if you'd like, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be in Acts chapter 4 briefly after that. You can kind of follow along in the sermon notes. You see where I'm heading. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 12. Talk about this idea of we need strength and power and courage, right? Because we're a bunch of scaredy cats, right? We, we're scared of other people. We're scared of, of, of them being offended or them not liking us or whatever it is. There's all kinds of reasons. Hey, Jesus paid it all for you. All to him you owe, right? There's no one else that can forgive your sins. There's no one else that's your savior. He's the one you should try to impress. He's the one you should try to please every day, not your neighbor, not even your mom or your dad, your brother or sister. Please Jesus by, by sharing Jesus with people. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner instead. So don't be ashamed, but instead share in the sufferings for the gospel. He, he's encouraging us to suffer? That doesn't sound very fun, right? Well, I'm sure it wasn't really fun after the triumphant entry with Jesus suffering and going to the cross either, right? He, he, he paid everything for us. He gave his whole life. He gave up everything 
so that we could be forgiven and have life. And, and so this life matters very little now anymore in, in the scope of eternity, right? What, what we like here and, and the comfortableness here isn't so, isn't so impactful, right, as what it's going to be like in eternity with Jesus. And that's what we base our, our actions on today. So he says, share in the suffering, relying on, so here you go, you don't have to do it by yourself, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Uh, so I want to stop there, pause there for a minute. We'll come back to verse 10 in a minute. We have to trust the Spirit of God for courage and for boldness. So why? Because here, here's where we, again, have to take that next step. We like the fact where he saved us. And we, we, we come to faith in Christ, and we're like, yes, he saved me, and it's great, and I, I'm forgiven, and that weight is off my shoulders, but I don't want to talk about it with people because I have a pretty shady past, and that's kind of uncomfortable to talk about, and I, I, I'm just good. I'm just kind of sit back, and I'm just going to be saved. But it goes further there, right? He says he, it's, he saved us, and what? What's the scripture say there? He saved us, and what was it? Called us. He called us. What did he call us to? To sit there and be saved? No. He, he called to go and to make disciples and to share this glorious message. He called us with a holy calling for his purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before time began. He, he called us. And, and so you and I need to understand that we are not our own. We were bought at a price and we are not our own now. We are his. And I should willingly desire because of my salvation in view of what Christ has done on the cross for me and through the resurrection. What he has done, I should view his marching orders as supreme. It's like, Jesus, you saved me. Next out of my mouth should be, now what? Now what? Send me where you want me to go. Go, just send me somewhere. Send me, and for you and I, most of us, it's, hey, I did. You have a workplace that you have a person next to you. Hey, I did. You're in a family with people that don't know. Hey, I did. You're, you're at school with folks that don't know Jesus. I, I did. I sent you. I'm calling you there. And, and I'm calling you by power and in and, and grace. And I love that, too, because we go relying on God's power. But we need to understand that we, as people who are called by God and saved by God, we are a means of grace to other people. D don't you think, don't you have the view in your mind that the person who shared Christ with you was a means of grace from God. Don't you say like, oh man, thank you, God, that person who came, that you sent them, that they obeyed. They're a means of grace. For you, you and I, it's the same thing. We, we go in power, relying on God's spirit to share the gospel. And we, we do that as a means of grace, of God's grace. He saved us. So now he breaks it down. Verse 10 is kind of the saved part. This, uh, or this has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's the salvation. Jesus Christ has abolished death. He's made a way for you and I to be in right relationship with God because of his sacrifice. And through faith in Christ, we can be made right. We can be made whole. That's salvation. Now, and the call is verse 11. Paul says, For this gospel I was appointed as a herald, apostle, and teacher. That is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed. Not ashamed what? To suffer? No. Or of the gospel? No. Even if I suffer? No. Why? Because I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. He can guard. He's going to protect. What's, what's the most necessary thing to be guarded and protected in our hearts? The salvation and grace of God. 
Guess who gets to do that? God does. So, so we can rise up and say, I've, I've been saved. I've been forgiven. I've been made righteous through faith in Christ. And now not only am I saved, I'm called. And I don't have to worry about my salvation as I'm called. Even if I suffer, it's okay. I'm not going to be ashamed because he's the one who's able to guard what has been entrusted to me, that, that inheritance. We're called to boldly proclaim the triumph of Christ and then to entrust ourselves to him with the results. Paul wrote in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is, it is the gospel is, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's for everybody. Everybody. I was, I was reminded of that this week, even as I talked to this person I was, I was talking about, like they're so far away, so far off, so rejecting of the gospel, and their thought process is in left, or I don't even, it's not in the same field even, it's in a different solar system. But the gospel is still for them, and I'm going to be praying for them, and desiring more conversation and, and writing notes and, and engaging as best they will allow me to do. Because the gospel is the power of God, not my power. Not even their power to reject. It's the, it's the power of God and his salvation for all who would believe. In it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteous will live by faith. See, we're called to share in the power of God the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we live by faith and we walk by faith, showing all the while how important it is. Acts chapter 4, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4. As you do, I want to challenge you, I want to ask you, as we talk about this gospel, we talk about the depth of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, does the gospel mean that much to you? If it doesn't, I, I, I don't know if you have it. The gospel should mean everything to you because it is everything. It, it says how, how bad you and I are, how in, una, or inadequate we are, how unprepared we are, but how efficient and sufficient Jesus Christ is. That if we would trust in him, we would we'd be saved and we don't have to be ashamed. Acts chapter 4, this is, uh, again, talking about um, not being ashamed, having courage and boldness. I think I shared this a few weeks ago. Peter and John had been detained and talked about, about like, why are you teaching in the name of Jesus? Why are you healing in the name of Jesus? And they were, they were told, don't do that anymore. No, no more talking in the name of Jesus, right? And, and they really wanted to punish them and imprison them, but the crowd was so rallied up, like, this is amazing. God's doing something so cool. They couldn't do that. So they just told them, we're powerful, and you have to stop speaking about this. So they went back to their, their followers, the followers of Christ, the disciples. They went back to them. And they told the people all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And then verse 24 of Acts 4, it says, When they heard this, this is the group, when they heard this, that, that persecution would come, and they were not to te teach or speak about Jesus, they raised their voices together to God and said this, Master, you are the one who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So first off, for you and I as, as people who go forward with courage and boldness, Who's our supreme authority? It's God. It's God Almighty. It's not, it's not your neighbor. It's not your family member. It's not even your husband, ladies, or, or your wife, men, right? Wink, wink. Right? It's, it's God. We answer to God, and he is our authority. So he's like, God, I know they've said something, but you're the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And you said, through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, so prophesied, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stands and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and his Messiah. The, the, it's saying, we know people are going to hate Jesus and they're going to assemble in futility against him. 
It, it will not work. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. They didn't kill Jesus, right? He offered his life. He laid down his life. He would not have died had he not laid down his life, right? And now, Lord, consider their threats. I love this part. They're saying, consider their threats. Their threats to not talk about Jesus, not speak about him. You're probably going to be, be, be beat up. You're going to be flogged or maybe killed. Your family might have ramifications. There's things that are gonna, we can do to you. Consider their threats and grant that your servants, what, what's the prayer here? Grant that your servants would escape. Grant that your servants would be safe. What was it? Grant that your servants may what? Speak the word of God with boldness. We don't care about their idle threats, God. They have nothing on you. They can, they can kill my body, but you saved my soul. So let me speak with boldness. That's the attitude we have to have. If we're to be witnesses here, even to the uttermost parts of the earth, we have to trust the Spirit of God for courage and boldness. So they prayed for boldness. And he says, while you stretch out your hand, so he, God, go before us. You're stretching out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then it says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God boldly. Just what they prayed for happened. God's like, yeah, you want boldness? I'll give you boldness. I'll give you power. You can do it. I, I'm, I'm worth it. And they did. It's power to be what? Power to be witnesses. Boldness to be witnesses about the message of Christ. That was that overlapping verse we read earlier, Luke 24. These are my words I spoke while I was with you. Everything written about me, everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, it must be fulfilled. So it, one thing to understand is all of the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. It, 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 it's all speaking about him. This person I wanted to talk, to, I was talking to earlier this week, they, they started talking about, asking questions about the Bible, and they're like, well, we can just take the Old Testament, just, that was just Jewish history, we can throw that out, let's just talk about the New Testament. I'm like, wait a minute, throw out the Old Testament? But what do you think Jesus used on the road to Emmaus to, to enlighten the disciples of, and explain exactly who he was? What do you think tells us exactly who the Messiah is and will be? It started in Genesis, folks. In the Old Testament. That's why Jesus says all of the law of Moses, all of the prophets, all of the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. They're all points to him. But he also said, this is what's written. Here's the gospel. The Messiah will suffer for our sin, right? And rise from the dead on the third day. And then repentance, right? Turning from our own way, turning from our own gods, our own systems, turning from our own sin and turning towards him, repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be proclaimed in his name to all nations. This is that you're going to be my, my witnesses. What it's, we're witnesses with what? The power of God in Christ to defeat death and sin for those who have repentant faith in him. That's what we proclaim. And it says, beginning in Jerusalem, you're my witnesses of these things. You are my witnesses. Okay, I, I want to take a pause and go back to your bulletin, grab that little green sheet. A little green sheet. There's more of these, like I said, on the kiosk for you to, to grab. And actually, there's two sides to this. We're going to start on the one that has a little more sporadic stuff. It says, uh, engaging in conversation with the gospel. 
on the back it says sharing the gospel message. The, the back that says sharing the gospel message is actually printed on an 8.5 by 11 sheet, so it's more readable for you uh, in the lobby. So you can, the whole thing is there. But let's start on the other side. I, I want us to, to, I wanted to, I told you today it would be about application, about equipping you and helping you kind of grab on to, like, how do I share my faith? So starting there on engaging in conversation with the gospel, these are questions that I've already brought up and I've already had you write down. Just, again, I'll let you kind of hear them. These are great questions to ask somebody in conversation. Just like, I want to know where you sit. I want to kind of, I want to get your spiritual temperature. One, do you, what do you believe about God? That's wide open, isn't it? What do you believe about God? You can just read on through it, right? Uh, or, or, or listen to it. Next one, to you, who is Jesus? To you, who is Jesus? Let him, let him tell you who Jesus is. You'll be able to pull out your other sheet and say, oh, here, this is who Jesus says he is. Then lastly, what do you believe about the afterlife? What do you believe about the afterlife? So uh, important to understand, what do they think is going to happen when they die? And probably they're going to tell you how they think that you get there in that conversation. Those are great, three great questions to ask. Now, the next one say this, questions for you to consider as they share this belief. This is, this is where the gospel and the knowledge of the gospel should come to fruition in our minds. As they are sharing, we should be answering these questions to ourselves, right, quietly, about what, what they're saying about where they are. Here they are. How is this person finding their identity or significance? It's like, what's their, are they creating the image of God? Or are they just an amoeba with a bunch of different, you know, things, cells existing? Like, where is their identity? Or is it in a relationship or in finances? Or, or is it in uh, success? Then do they perceive a broken world, right? Do they see a broken world or a relationship with God? Right? Do they perceive a broken relationship with God? And, and then kind of, kind of trying to figure out, who do they think is to blame for that? Like, wh- where does the fault lie there, right? Trying to get them to understand that. Uh, or you you'd understand where they're at. Then, to whom or what might they be looking to as the Savior or the fix? What's the fix? What's the Savior? Everyone, everyone is looking for that. They want the fix. I feel bad. This looks crazy. This world is nuts. And, and, and they, they're looking to find fulfillment in some way and a Savior in some way. Everyone's doing that. Every one of you in this room is doing that. Hopefully you found Jesus, because he's the only one that really is the Savior. He's the one that can do it. You and I will just go to false saviors, false gods, false fixes, short-term fixes. They will never totally satisfy. Going on, you're thinking in your mind as they're talking, how do they think this will be fixed? And what's their ultimate future hope? Like, how, how is this going to be resolved? How is that this world, or what, like, is it reincarnation eight times, and eventually you'll figure it out? Like, like what, you want to know what the fix is, right? Uh, the next one. How is this in line or not in line with the truths of the gospel? You're, they're going to probably kind of grab onto some hints of it or kind of line up with some of it, but not all of it. And so you can kind of use some of that to your advantage as you share. Oh, you had said, and, and you talk about it too, and here's what the Bible goes on to say. Next one. What, what about Jesus and his work? what he's done, right, the gospel, uh, what, what about that might be good news to this person today? Obviously, the good news is always good news, but, but you're interacting in a, with a person at a certain time and a, and a situation going on in their life, and certainly something is heightened in their life that they want to talk about, so you, you start there and see how does the gospel start relating to them there and then take them the rest of the way. How can I bring the hope of the gospel to this person? Right? And I think these are prayerfully considered as you go through this. And by the way, this is, this is not always, it's maybe sometimes, a sit down and in one session you do this, but this is a long-haul conversation. 
This is a prayerful thought out. Like, God, in your power, in your spirit, how do we, how do we engage people? Now, on the bottom there, it says gospel prompt. We've had this in our, in our bulletin before and printed it out. It's, it's available here for you now. And, and I just I want you to, to know how to share the gospel, right? And, and part of that is knowing the gospel. And, and by, this is not, not everything. This, you, have to, you have to know and have to reel in and have to really understand the depth of it. But this, these are prompts for you. And, and it's spelled, it's the acronym gospel, right? And, and gee, God created us to be with him. So there's identity issue there. We talk about being made in his image. Our sins separate us from God and they lead to death. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Really important to share. You and I can't earn our way to heaven. We can't erase our own sin. Only Jesus can do that. The wages of sin is death, right? Our sins separate us and lead to death. So G-O-S-P, paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and he rose again. There comes the hero. E, everyone who turns to Jesus in faith has eternal life. This is that I'm turning, right? That's repentance. I'm, I'm turning away from what I think is right. I just can't have another little action figure on the shelf and say he's my savior. All the other ones got to go, right? He, he's everything. And then life, L, life that's eternal means life with Jesus forever. That's the shortest, most abbreviated thing you could probably find, right? Or no, this, here's the gospel, Jesus. There's, there's the shortest. But this is the gospel. And you start there. And on the back of this, I, what I've done is I have written those out in like a script. Like I scripted it like I would be speaking it to somebody. And actually I, I use this. Not, not, I don't use this anymore because I have it here and I just share it. But th- you, could, you could literally, maybe at a coffee date and maybe it's awkward and you're like, I don't know exactly all the right words to use. I know the essence of it. Hey, do you mind if I just share what the Bible says about this? And y- read it. If you want to just read it, read it. And you could stop and pause and, and think about it and talk about it. Read it. But you need to know it, right? A, w- a witness, it, the heart of a witness is I know the gospel. I understand that sin is separating me from God and that God has drawn me to himself by his spirit and he's, he's died on the cross for my sins and that, that I'm the one who's to turn away from my, my own self and my own sins and turn to him and trust him in faith and I'll find forgiveness. That, that's the gospel, right? But you gotta know that so you can communicate that. So that's, that's for you. That's a little script thing there where you can just read it and, and get to know it really well. On the bottom of that, there are some questions you might ask after sharing the gospel. A couple of those. Uh, have you ever heard this before? Some people haven't or they've heard little bits and pieces. Um, what are your initial thoughts or reactions? You just ask them. Let's see what they say. Do you think you need a Savior? See what they say, right? What questions do you have? Right, so they can ask questions. Come back and talk more. So a tool for you to use uh, as you share your faith with people uh, that you come in contact with, people in your, in your family, people in your, in your work, people in your school, wherever you might be. So we, so we have this deep assurance, right, in Christ, and we've entrusted ourselves to his Holy Spirit for power and for courage and boldness to share and to proclaim the gospel. And now, finally, number three, a witness to the ends of the earth responds to the Spirit with this, here I am, send me. It's all now about willingness. It's all about, God, I'm, I'm, just send me. God, open the door. God, push me out the door. May, like, open those opportunities up. You know, I... I've said this so many times, and it's part of kind of like the mantra of my life. Like, God doesn't get the address wrong. He doesn't. And, and if I'm thinking, I'm nervous to share this with so-and-so, but so-and-so was there that day at that time, just so happened, why am I nervous? That's a divine appointment that I didn't have to set up. God already set it up. Before the foundation of the world, he ordained that. I just ignore his calendar, though, and go about my own business, don't I? 
It's a divine appointment. Just, just say, God, here I am. Send me. Let me speak about the glorious Jesus Christ and what he's done. Romans 10, beginning in verse 8, the end of verse 8, it says, This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, since there's no distinction between Jew or Greek, and because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. This gospel message is for everybody. All who call on the Lord can be saved. But it goes on. How then? How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I think we love the parts that say, confess Jesus is Lord and you're going to be saved. We, we know that. But are you going to tell that to somebody? Are you going to say, send me? I want to be one that's, that's sent out. I want to be one that they said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because they're weary and tired and worn out from beating the pavement and going to the ends of the earth with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to proclaim the gospel so someone would hear and believe? I think you are. I hope you are. Uh, last week or the week before, I, I asked you this question. I said, who's your one? I'm I thinking about that. Who's your one? And the answer to that in the sermon was, he's our one. He's the one. There's no one else with please. No one else we should feel like, like intimidated by. He's our one. But then I asked you to think about who's the one that God has placed most nearest and dearest to you right now? Who's the one that he hasn't got the address wrong? Who's the name of that one person that needs the hope of Jesus Christ right around you right now? You, you and I need to be thinking about that. And I encouraged you last week that I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like, hey, bring your friends to church, which I, I'm glad you're here, all your friends. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big proponent of that. I'm, a, I'm like, don't just invite them to church, invite them to Jesus, right? Don't invite them to church so Brandon can share the gospel with them. You share the gospel. You get some beautiful feet and share the gospel with your friends. And yeah, sure, bring them into the body of Christ. This is a family. We want to belong together. But who's your one? And I did say, consider inviting them to church. Inviting them to Easter next week. Next week is Resurrection Sunday. We, we proclaim the resurrection every Sunday. But next week for a lot of the world, it's like this is a peculiar day. What's going on? They're interested. And they might just come if you ask them to. And we're going to talk about the victory that Christ had through the power of the resurrection next week. Who's your one? Share with them. Are you willing to share with someone? The answer should be yes. That should be the response. Why? Because he has done everything for us. My final passage is from uh, Isaiah 6 today. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high and lofty on a throne. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. He's giant, right? Seraphim or angels were standing above him, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they called back and forth to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. This is Isaiah seeing a glimpse of the grandeur and glory of God. And, and he was like, whoa. And then what did he say? 
Uh-oh. Verse 5, then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. Brandon's translation is, remember what this is? Oh, man, I'm dead meat. <laughs> that's, what, that's what this means. He's, he's standing before God Almighty, and he knows he is ruined. He is toast. He is dead meat. And here he says, why? I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. He realizes his sin. And, and even though Isaiah might be a great guy, he stands before God, and God is absolutely pure, absolutely holy, absolutely perfect in all his glory and majesty, and none can compare to him. The place is shaking and filling with smoke at angels who are covering their eyes and their, their feet, singing holy, holy, holy. Now that's a sight. He says, I'm dead meat. I'm unclean, and I live among a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Then it says, one of the seraphim. So at this realization, at this, this knowledge of I am, I am a sinful person separated from God, what happened? An angel flew to him, and, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. What should be our motivation to share the gospel? We should have been dead meat, but Jesus, through faith in him, has forgiven us and has washed our sins away and wiped them clean, and they are separated from us as far as the east is from the west, and they're buried at the bottom of the ocean floor. Amen? If that's not motivation to say this, right? Then, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, who will I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, here I am. Send me. Send me. Listen, you and I, brothers, sisters, we have to be willing because of what Christ has done and, and how he's reconciled us to God through faith in his son. We must be willing to say, God, here I am. Send me. Forgiveness produces willingness and obedience. And we're promised you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I hope you'll be his witnesses. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your, your grace and your mercy, your love. But God, as, as, as you offer salvation to those who would believe, who would, who would put repentant faith in you, God, we also must be motivated from that, that experience, from that salvation. Motivated and, and empowered, and motivated by your word, empowered by your spirit, to say, here I am, send me to go out and be witnesses, to proclaim the gospel, even, even under fear of persecution, even under fear of relationship strains, maybe of losing a job, that we would share the gospel, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us be willing servants. Help us to, to say yes for the sake of this call that you have called us to. We thank you. We ask for your power. We ask for your presence. We ask for the motivation we need, the push we need to say yes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.